Martha Woods, and we're here at the National Academy of Sciences, enjoying a little post-concert joy <laughs> following the performance by the Fry Street String Quartet. And I have with me Will Fedkenhoyer and Anne Francis. Will, the violinist who leads the quartet, yes. welcome. Thank you. And Anne, cellist of the quartet, we're so pleased to have you. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you for a superb concert. Our audience was so excited. It really, really was palpable in the, in the hall and such a joy to hear your Beethoven and the Bartok and the wonderful comments that you gave us. To, oh, thank you. To uh, and let the audience in on a few of the secrets. And then, of course, the Dvorak American Quartet. Oh, what a treat that Indeed. was. Indeed. Thank you. Tell us about how you choose a program like that. And why don't you give us an idea of how did you put that program together? Well, there are some, um, for those that listen to the concert, some obvious ties between Bartok and Dvorak, of course, because of both composers' interest in um, in folk melodies and in music that was native to their countries and, and indeed interested in other countries as well. In the case of Dvorak, who was interested um, in studying American music when he was in the United States. Um, so that's a, that's a nice balance. Um, and we recently completed our first Beethoven cycle as a quartet, so it's a pretty short sure thing that Beethoven is going to make it into most programs this season and probably for seasons to come um, simply because it's just a body of repertoire that we're very very familiar with and the C minor Beethoven which we began the program with is really just it's it's a fantastic powerhouse quartet and, and very different from the other two works and so it, it's usually the case of looking for things that pair well together but offer a wonderful variety for the audience to listen to. Well, for us that Beethoven was especially a prize because, at least in the years that I've been here, we haven't been able to present the Opus 18 number four. Ah, that was no our kidding. first hearing. Wow. Yeah. So That's great. And, and so well played, and you made it your own. I, I'm curious to know, maybe you yeah. can tell us, Will, when did you first perform the Beethoven as a quartet? Because it seemed as though you were putting it on like a coat that was very familiar, but at the same time had lots of secrets and surprises in the pockets. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, it's, it's, it's one of those things um, with any performance you know we do we spend so much time together working out the details and trying to establish the parameters of, of how we're going to be creative in a piece and and you know all of that time in, in some senses it gives you a, a much deeper and greater understanding of the piece but it also sometimes it tends to dull the senses in terms of well we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and and the the mundane details are where we we really have to focus sometimes and mm. so we've made a point uh, often um, with every piece to to make sure we have that type of rehearsal freedom but also to make sure that we're constantly trying to discover what this piece is in the moment and and that's something it's it's always a little riskier <laughs> because as you say um, each one of us can be a little a little slippery sometimes and very quick and but that's that's the level of of communication that you really want to have and that's what makes it makes it so exciting and keeps it alive and fresh for the audience so that they feel also, because it's very real that they're part of something that's being created right there on stage, there's all of that knowledge behind it. You know, it's a little bit like I'm sure actors feel performing a Shakespeare play for the 15th time or however many times they do it. You still have to derive what are these characters, what are they saying, 
and how is it different because I had Wheaties this morning versus <laughs> you know, Cheerios or, or so. In a way, I wish that the audience had had the pleasure I did of hearing some of your rehearsal as you warmed up in the auditorium uh-huh. earlier today before our three o'clock start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't get to have a sense of what you are working on yeah. in the minutia <laughs> that then you've worked out so carefully so that you can play with the abandon that comes out in the performance itself. It was yeah. very, very exciting, I have to say. Uh, there is something I wanted to ask you about your background. Sometimes audience members will come up and say, so it doesn't say, you know, other individual bi- biographies. And I think that's fine. We put a bio in the program. It tells about the quartet. But how did you actually meet one another? Well, how far back do you go? Well, the the quartet goes back to 1997 um, when Russell, our violist, and Rebecca, our second violinist, um, were uh, were first married and uh, living in Chicago on a little street called Fry Street, uh-huh. uh, which is Fry where street. the name comes from. Um, and it was um, it, so they, of course, knew each other. They were actually childhood friends. Um, they both grew up studying with the same violin teacher in Minneapolis. Um, They had known each other for many years. They found themselves in graduate school together later at Northwestern University, which Mm -hmm. is when the quartet started. More uh, on a lark, just really for fun, to get together with a couple of friends. Um, But they, they, this was sort of a a hobby that was taking, you know, 20 hours a week, and they finally decided, well, let's see if we we can make this a go. And And from there to win the fish-off competition is no small feat. No small feat. And it happened very quickly, and it, it was sort of the success found them and that's when they knew that this is what we really want to do and I knew Russell from going to summer camps together when we were kids Um, and in fact something a cute anecdote is that a friend of ours that we went to camp with is a a very very well um, respected Suzuki teacher in the area she's at the concert today and it was great because it was sort of an old reunion we all were, were kids together but that's how I came to audition for the quartet and Will and I both studied at Rice University at its music school, the Shepherd School of Music, and um, we, although we did not actually attend at the same time, we had literally all of the same friends, and so our circles very much overlapped, mm. and so we were friends, and um, Will was also, in his earlier years, a member of another string quartet, and so when uh, his circumstances changed and he left that quartet, we were, the timing was perfect. That was when we were looking for a new first violinist. We got very, very, very lucky. What do you guys do if you have to change what is, at the moment, a very beautifully matched set of instruments? Have you had any instrument changes in your lives together? Oh, I see. What a great question. Today of all days. It's it's funny because I'm actually right now um, looking for a new instrument. And so the the quartet over the last few months um, has been going through instrument changes as as different instruments come into my life. Of course, the place I have to try them out is in the quartet. And and that means different things depending on the instrument. So we've been in this place of constant adjustment. Um, today, as a matter of fact, I was playing uh, an instrument that I'm, I'm thinking about. And um, it, it's funny because with, with the instruments we all currently own, um, you know, you know them so well, but you also have to work um, you know exactly where you need to work and what kind of freedoms it affords mm-hmm. you. And so then 
uh, obviously when you're looking for a new instrument, you're looking to step up in terms of what the instrument can do. And so then all of a sudden, um, the possibilities for your own personal playing um, explode, and the fiddle starts, uh, again, exploring new, new realms of your own individuality. And so that immediately transfers into the quartet. Um, as an example, I think, you know, the violin that, that I normally play, uh, it, it, it has a very intense and focused sound. And so what it means is that um, for, the, for the rest of the quartet, they really have to focus on getting their sounds to match, and I have to try and spread my sound out. And, and this violin today has a much more open sound, mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden then it enables the quartet to do different things. It's, it's a big challenge, though. Wow. I, I'm, I'm truly in shock that you were playing an instrument today that is different from what you've been yeah. working well, with as a quartet, not just you individually, yeah. but as a quartet for years. Sure. I mean, just bravo. Well, so. thank you. <laughs> well, and I also want to thank you folks especially for your comments, each in turn, yours and about the Dvorak American, and Will, your comments about the Bartok. Even for an old salt like myself, you <laughs> opened up uh, lovely stories and interesting elements of the Bartok and the Dvorak for me. And it was a pleasure to hear some of it again, sure. you know, yeah. in some cases, but also to hear some things anew. And the the tanager, what's the name of the bird? The again? scarlet tanager. The scarlet yeah. tanager. It was fabulous. <laughs> I have a little reminder of what that's going to sound like. And not only did our audience enjoy that so much, but very much enjoyed your encore <laughs> the Orange Blossom <laughs> special. And my guess is that you have quite a bit of experience working with youth, not just at the university level, but maybe some younger ones too. We do, yeah. we do. And in fact, we had in attendance at the concert this afternoon a lot of students who have studied with us at various chamber music institutes that we teach at, including one in Virginia. Um, that That's um, an annual thing for us every summer. And so, um, yeah, we, we do take pleasure in that. It's more during the summer months that we work with younger students um, because, mm -hmm. of course, our duties at the university keep is pretty busy um, in Utah yeah Utah State Utah University State. we're the quartet in residence there um, but uh, yeah and the Orange Blossom special is you know I mean kids especially just love it because that's usually one that uh, when kids first learn how to fiddle um, that's one that comes up pretty much right away so well we had we had a little five-year-old in the audience who was jumping down the stairs <laughs> as the audience was exiting the, the oh, auditorium that's, that's great. and and calling out uh, everything he knew with those tunes. That's well, great. thank you for letting us do that. I, we were kind of testing it out with this program <laughs> because, with of course, with the classical world, um, we're so used to thinking of that as, as something very different. Um, but then when you put it together with these pieces like the Dvorak and, I mean, those are just the folk songs of, of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's it's... It's adaptable. I mean, this, in a sense, is a, it's a parody of the Orange Blossom special arranged for string quartet. Um, because in the country western world, you would never do this with a string quartet. But um, it's it's amazing. It's it's exactly the same music. We've just, as a culture, we've separated it. 
But it's it's got all of the same things that are inside of it. So thank you for letting us share that. Complete the train whistle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, way, the way you play, you will always have audiences calling for the encore. So I predict you're going to have lots of opportunities. So, well, thanks, uh, folks. We really appreciate you spending the extra time to come absolutely. chat oh, a little thank bit. Thank you. Thank well, you so much. We this hope to welcome you back here again very soon. We, we would look love forward it. to it. Thank you.